0: Hello and welcome to this PSG Think Big series podcast. In this program, Alicia Sekum speaks to Wendeele Seklobo about the future of agribusiness in South Africa. and welcome to the Think Big series brought to you by PSG. I'm Alicia Seckham. Well, it's been just over a year since South Africa launched its Agriculture and Agro Processing Master Plan. It's been touted as an inclusive growth strategy for the agricultural sector, a framework to build competitiveness, attract more investment, improve inclusion, and create jobs. It's a plan looking to unleash the agricultural and agro-processing sector's full potential, upping its current 10% contribution to GDP. So today, we explore if the sector turns a new leaf, What role can it realistically play in South Africa's recovery and growth story? And joining me to do just that is Wandile Sekhlobu. He's Chief Economist of the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa. Wandile, thanks so much for joining us today. And I'm gonna jump straight into the conversation here. There's no denying that the operating environment, whether we're looking locally or globally, is more challenging than when the master plan was drafted, right? So in this new context, Does it still work? Is it still fit for purpose?
1: Thanks uh, for this. Uh, I think the master plan is still fit for purpose. And if anything, I would say let's almost treat it as a recovery plan to say the environment has changed, but instead of going back to the drawing board to say how can we readjust the master plan, we can fix it as we go along the way. Because I mean, some of the things that he had highlighted, we're still confronted by those. If anything, the environment has just become more complicated than when the master plan was drafted.
0: Okay, so we still got conviction from your side. Is the plan getting the buy-in it needs from the agribusiness sector and garnering any traction as far as implementation goes so that we aren't looking one delay at just another blueprint?
1: Yeah, I mean, it has uh, full support, and we must remember that this plan was not just the government plan, but it was co-created by all of the social partners. We had labor across the table, we had private sector, we had community and the government to look into the sector to say where are the areas of growth, geographically, what can be done in what area, and all of that uh, came up to the master plan that was, uh, was drafted. And the support is still there. If anything, people are actually anxious now and saying we are sitting on this plan for far too long. We have to start implementing it.
0: Okay, we're going to get into some of the levers that need to be pulled in order to get implementation going. Before we do, as things stand right now, Wandile, how far off the sector's real potential are we? Just a quick stock take
1: by your estimates. I mean, I think we can still get uh, roughly a million jobs within this sector. And of course, I'm talking here primary agriculture and agroprocessing. When you think about the fortunes of the sector, look at the gross value added number. I think we can still add 10 to 15 percent on that. That's the promise that this master plan hopes to unlock. And of course, it will need everybody coming together, exploring all the high value commodities in doing that.
0: Yeah, well, it's not going to be an easy feat, right, closing the gap, because As you recently wrote, while weather forecasts conspire for in South Africa, other factors are conspiring against. Looking globally first, we've already seen and felt the impact of geopolitics on uh, various commodity supply chains, the consequent surge in prices as well. Now add to the equation South Africa's current tensions with the US, what economic red flags are being propped up given the importance of trade in the agri
1: space? I think for the first uh, start, I mean, is the fact that the master plan will be also unlocking land that is currently underutilized in South Africa. We have give or take 4 million hectares of land that we could bring, bring into full production. And I mean, if you think about it, the government now has already just audited nearly 2 million hectares of the land that they think it's sitting in their hands and it could come into agriculture. Put that into context. What south africa currently plants today when you consider the grains and the oil seeds is about 4.3 million hectares so we have about half of that that we could put into production then that's where the output increases but of course that has to link with the factors of trade that we're talking about we are a country that is exported today about half of what we produce in value terms that's about 13 billion dollars then the logistics is a red flag to your point We have to make sure that the roads, railway line, and the ports are efficient so that whatever produce that we come up with, we're able to deliver it to markets and build additional export markets where these products could go to.
0: All with the aim of increasing our export potential here. Bottom line, South Africa benefits more from trade with the US than with Russia, right? So let's talk a bit about the politics of trade here. It's hard to see any economic merit in the stance that South Africa's adopted. What potential ramifications are you pricing in as we've got these pogs turning in the background?
1: I think the first point, I mean, that is important uh, to get across here is the one that you've highlighted. We are a sector that is export oriented. So if anything, if you grow production without really putting a lot of emphasis on maintaining the export markets, then this is going to be a losing. When you think about our export composition today and say, where are we sending all of these products? I made the point that we are just not just below $13 billion. That exact number 2022 was Mm -hmm. $12.8 billion record value. 40% of it goes to the African continent. Roughly 20%, it's the EU. Then you have the UK, about 4% or so. Then you have Asia. When you look at the U.S., it's about 4%. Russia is nowhere. It's less than 2% of our agricultural exports that go there. So the U.S. is very much important, but I think the sentiment broadly in other markets beyond the Russia-U.S. direct one, but the EU is one of the important markets that we want to nurture the relationship with.
0: Yeah. And if we talk some of the ramifications so far, we can't talk trade when they're not talk currency, right? On the one hand, we're having to contend with this weaker rand, which means South Africa importing higher input costs and that translating to higher prices. On the other hand, you've got higher export earnings potential. I mean, we've certainly felt the cost pressures. Are we deriving any of the upside, though?
1: I think, I mean, the upsides will be there because if you think about it in South Africa, somewhere between May each year, going all the way towards the end of the year, that's the export period. We're starting off in May with citrus. And as you go to June, July, there's a lot of grain also that is exported. So the weaker end does make our products competitive in the export markets. But I think the dilemma then of it is the one that you were referring to, which is the fact that South Africa exports roughly 80% of our annual fertilizer usage of about 2 million tons. Then with the weaker rand, somewhere in August going into October, farmers have to plant. While you've enjoyed good earnings selling at a weaker rent, then you have to bring in fertilizer, bring agrochemicals, certain machinery. And then that on a net net basis, it really makes your math complicated when you look at the financials.
0: Yeah. I sit here, Wandile, and I listen to you talking about us as this big exporter in the agri space, right? And of course, widening of export markets is part of the master plan. The theory is that it impacts growth, in turn job creation, breeding a more inclusive economy. But before we move on, how do we reconcile that with the issue of food security? I mean, six million South Africans going to bed without food, and yet South Africa exports, like you say, Roughly 51% of the food it produces. Is that something we can afford to be doing right now? Um, you know, where the assumption is that global issues aside, local infrastructure constraints, and you alluded to them, whether we're looking at power, road, or water for that matter, are curbing supply, and that what we do manage to produce should cater more so to local market demand to offset, you know, the higher prices and the rampant food inflation that we are seeing.
1: I mean I I like the point that you're raising because it's very important and I think the first point to appreciate is that we do need to export uh so that we're able to earn uh, our foreign earnings and then that's the money that we use on buying some of our inputs that we need either fertilizer agrochemicals, certain seeds and all of that that's the one part of the equation but I do think that we also have to appreciate the fact that uh, the point that we we we're exporting roughly half of what we produce in value terms doesn't mean that the South African consumer is left without supplies or the exports are resulting to uh, an unusual increase in domestic prices. The poverty that we have is an income poverty in a sense that we have a number of fellow South Africans that are just out of work. There is no income in such instances. Even if you were to drop the price, say, for an example, from 20 Rand, you drop it to 10 Rand. If there is no income, that will still be expensive um, to your to consumer. And I think the yeah. other point here to get across is also the fact that if you look at that's just the global food price index um, uh, uh, and you look at say, where does South Africa really feature there? South Africa has one of their most affordable food products. But the issue is that we have a number of people that as a country, we haven't been able to assist them to get into the labour market. And that's the second question on our economic policy. We need to look at and saying how do we how do we create work?
0: So that being explored on the one hand, perhaps then focus also needs to shift to pricing dynamics. I mean, there's been some controversy around uh, fair price to the farmer versus retail profit and margins on that end. And that pointing to price distortion to the detriment of producers and the benefit of buyers. Is this something um, you see the Competition Commission, for example, getting an effective
1: handle on? I think the Competition Commission uh, a report that came on somewhere earlier in this year uh, had missed the mark there at least in my view in a sense that i mean if you look at the consumer food price inflation across the world last year for example and going into this year south africa was one of the countries that actually saw moderate increases in food prices we averaged last year somewhere around about 9.5 percent that's 2022 if you were to compare that with the us with the uk uh, and, and and the eu those countries were seeing a double digit food price inflation it is only towards the end of the year where South African food prices started to increase, almost in a similar pattern that we're seeing in the EU. But then the question is to say, what was driving the prices and what made our prices to be more moderate last year? The key drivers of the prices was drought in South America. We had China buying a lot of grains. We had, of course, the Russia-Ukraine war. All of those were the catalyst be- be behind the global uh, food price increases that we had seen and South Africa, interlinked to the global market also saw the prices driven up by those factors if anything the south african food processors i do think that they actually absorbed some of the costs and not pass them on to the consumer which is why i think what the competition commission was saying as well as what we were observing was also an issue and i will close this point by saying there's also a reference that tends to be made about the fao global food price index, where people would say FAO food price index is declining, but at our retail shelf, we we'll see prices taking a certain direction. That index actually measures their farm level prices, agricultural commodity. And there is a lag of about three to five months between farm as well as what we get to see at the, at the, at the retail level. And I think we have to appreciate that and the cost associated like distribution, processing, packaging, and all of those things.
0: And let's pick up on that because there's no running away from the high cost of production locally that's feeding into inflation as well. And it really is a stiff cocktail of various input costs coming together, impacting. If we home in on one, how much is the impact of low shedding costing the sector Wandile? and how much more is at risk?
1: I think the way to look at it in agriculture primary level is the fact that we irrigate 100% of our fruit and vegetables and about a third of our field crops. Looking at an income perspective, about a third of the income that is generated in agriculture is directly linked, of course, then to irrigation. And then you have poultry, you have dairy, and the other. So the risk is there, which is why I think the interventions that were made are from the beginning of the year and still ongoing in South Africa-like load curtailment to major power users in agriculture that are direct clients of ESCOM is something that is positive. And secondly, seeing the Department of Agriculture somewhere beginning of May, putting together a plan where they are calling it the Agro Energy Fund. Small fund for now, somewhere around about over two billion rands, but it could be increased. And that encourages farming entities to get a certain portion. Their loan subsidized and then they use that to put their own generation in farms those are some of the things that we need to utilize because the risks are there in our sector fortunately for this year the interventions made thus far and favorable rainfall they've assisted us to actually be able to have a good season
0: Yeah. So when it comes to measures being put in place to mitigate the risk, delay, are you saying that, you know, we are seeing more investment and capital commitment being made here? Because the perception to a large extent is that we could be looking more so at a case of, you know, the whole situation being deemed, how can I put it, not worth it, and capital flight as a risk mitigator instead.
1: I mean, the challenge that you sit with as a farmer or as a food producer is that, I mean, you cannot really take the farm anywhere. You are right there, which is why we're saying investing on a green solutions. Uh, to actually say can farmers be able to generate their own energy either in solar, biogas or any other solutions that are out there which is why when I saw the Department of Agriculture inviting private sector participants to come together in the fund to say how can we put this to to support the farmers is actually a good initiative but if more money can crowd in into that and assist the sector I think that that could be helpful because this is a sector that still has really great potential on dealing with the social issues, but also making sure that those that invest in it, they're able to get uh, better returns.
0: Look, To up the investment incentive, there has to be more of a commitment to putting plan to action if we're going to start harnessing our potential. And this always brings us full circle to a point that you mentioned at the top in terms of taking that master plan, fixing it, and making sure that it's appropriate to the new operating context. What are some of the options, Wandile, you're putting on the table to get us out of the state of inertia and drive action on the action plan?
1: You know i sit in a privileged position because i get to advise the minister of agriculture as well as the president on some of these issues and one of the things that i'm getting uh, from them is that they too are just as eager to see this master plan being implemented and i think there's about three major steps that minister didizia has to take before the full implementation of the plan and she agrees with this the first one is gathering all of the social partners across the table private sector as well as labor to say We see the energy plans that have been put in place for agriculture already right now, but how do we ensure that the sustainability of those going into the next season? How do we deal sectorial with the energy matter? That's one part. The second part that she has to get to is the issue of of, of land. We have uh, the president uh, seen him talk about the cultural development and land reform agency. He mentioned this in 2021, again, 2022. The question then to today is to say, how soon can that be launched? And that agency is very important because then it begins to deal with the land supply that I talked about at the start of our conversation, that the state has roughly 4 million hectares of land, but 2 million hectares have already been audited. To say how do you give that to new beneficiaries with tradable uh, title deeds, with tradable le- leases or title deeds that's very important because if you don't resolve those two things whenever you implement people will raise the issue of land and raise the issue of energy about what's your path forward and lastly the minister i have to really think about how do we broaden Uh, blended finance, because financing in agriculture is one of the important things in the conversation that we really haven't been having in the sector, but now I think we should have that. Once those are in place, then we can look at the master plan and say, What are the commodity by commodity interventions and what are the regional things that we need to put in place and who should take what uh, part in this implementation process and i think putting all of those together will move us forward in making sure that we grow the agricultural pie and we have new players that are coming in place and utilizing resources that are currently underutilized
0: Effectively, as you say, growing the pie as opposed to making these slices of the pie smaller, right? So Wandele, do you see broader policy now supportive of agendas like these? Because let's home in on, you know, the land reform policy for one. It remains front of center of the transformation agenda. We've seen uh, how contested it's been, but we can also acknowledge that it is a necessary. So where you almost want to circumvent this polarization um, that can be Debilitating for the sector. Are you convinced that the right policy structures are in place to support a new agenda?
1: I think the policy, uh, you know, it's not a perfect one, but it is supportive of growth uh, in the sector. I mean, think about the issue of land reform. 2017 was uh, December 2017 going into 2018 was a tough mm-hmm. period when you think about where the sector was, because there, there were still debates about expropriation without compensation, not really clear about how far that would go and if it would be a reality. But today we're talking about what we call the Agricultural Development and Land Reform Agency, which on its own is not gonna replace the entire land reform uh, agenda, but rather, as we know as South Africans, land reform is about three pillars in this country, land redistribution, land restitution and land tenure. But on a redistribution part, this agency will come in there. And I think if we are able to select the right beneficiaries, make sure that they have a period of incubation to know how to farm properly receive mentorship or for whatever support that they need and then the financing is there i think that they will be able to be successful farmers and this takes away the political pressure that is currently sitting in the sector because i mean the role for transformation in the sector is still there if you look at the data and look at south africa's agriculture today of all of the food that is sold commercially black farmers are still making up about 10 percent of that So if we don't correct that for long term sustainability and political economy of farming, this is going to become a problem. But if we do it in a sustainable way, there's a clear thought up process and it is investor friendly. I think that we could be able to do that. And right now we do have that plan in place, but it needs the government to focus on it and drive it. And private sector is open on working onto that.
0: I must say, Wandele, it's quite um, uplifting when you talk about expansion in the agricultural sector this way, you know, primarily through growing the agricultural pie and by bringing it into full product, uh, uh, bringing unutilized land into full production. It's reflective of the growth capacity we have to really push the needle here. But I've got to ask, is everyone on the same page? Black shareholding requirements of up to 75% of farmers have been making headlines this week. And this is where we saw the Minister of Water and Sanitization uh, publish draft regulations to the Water Act last month, saying that farmers would need to have a minimum black shareholding of anything between 25 to 75% to get a water license. I mean, does this, this not start to come up against and destroy government's lofty talk of agricultural development,
1: job creation, and agritourism, for that matter? I mean, I think the, the issue of water, I, I see where the department is coming from. Um, they want to assist in the transformation and they want to be constructive as we try to make sure that we have a full representative and a growing sector where everyone participates on that. But I think the way they've worded and they've thought about those targets is unhelpful to that growth agenda. And But I think we must emphasize that. The, those are still in a draft format somewhere in july august when the discussion progresses we will know where that would be my sense and even from the agricultural business chamber side is that those are uh, points that i've been uh, alluded by the minister i really need some heavy revision as it stands it's not helpful to the growth of the agenda if anything it actually complicates uh the whole unanimous vision that minister dideza and the others in the department of agriculture had put in place so my hope is that this is a draft this is a draft we are all as south africans talking about it and looking at it and the department would be more receptive to taking some of these things and seeing how uh they improve those targets and i mean for agriculture in general and if you talk to any agricultural economists in south africa they'll also make the point that this is a sector where you have family farms i mean uh half of the farms in this sector are actually making an income that is uh less than a, a, a million rand. so these are really small entities and there's a very few that are still also large but family farms then you have that context uh, that is at play which is why i think that there's a lot that needs to be refined in here and the department should be open to all of the inputs yeah. that will be coming from south africans and improve this
0: absolutely we've got to be striving for or towards unloading the waters here Beyond access to land, and you touched on this in your previous answer in terms of the options you've put on the table, let's talk about this access to funding and resources to smaller emerging markets a little bit more. I mean, what are some of the ideas you have on getting, a, getting strong agribusinesses started and sustained in rural areas?
1: I think the essence that South Africa now needs to move on is this we rather have a very few uh, uh, black commercial farmers that are actually successful than rather having and having many smallholder farmers uh, as we have in this moment I'd like to capture it and say better few but better because if you don't have that cohort that actually anchor the commercialization you end up with a sector that is having these two agricultures where you have the commercial angle and also you have the many smallholder farmers on that but how do they the financiers do to- Anticipate. The financiers are not going to be able to assist a lot of smallholder farmers because of the activity of those people. But if we are able to put measures in place to allow people to progress to get into commercialization, then that begins to make business case for everyone. But also, smallholder farmers cannot create the jobs that we talk about to say this sector can actually do. So those are some of the dynamics that are there. Ideas about financing. I think the Planet Finance um, uh, story is the still- Practical ones. Government subsidizes and de certain loans, but I think all of the other people that are in the financial services and they see an opportunity for growth, either at a primary level or along the value chain, introducing certain technologies. These are th- that we need to think about as South Africans to say, how do you bring certain services where you can get better returns, but also have a positive social good in society and in the sector in general.
0: Yeah, I must admit, many of the viewer questions that have come through centering around, uh, you know, funding mechanisms, and I picked one of them out uh, for the purpose of this conversation. Now, how can the banking sector, Wandile, add value to support commercial farming when it comes to financial support? So whether we're looking at a case of improved rates, um, applying patience when it's needed as well, uh, who needs to be the driver with impact?
1: I think one of the things that we've made in South Africa, I mean, it goes back to think about 2006, for example, we put in place as a country, this land policy, which is called the proactive land acquisition strategy, Mm. which basically meant that if you're a new platformer getting land from the government under the land redistribution, you're getting it with a three, five year lease that is actually non-tradable that on its own already then locks you on when you think about collateralizing that land the collateral issue becomes um a a problem onto that if now then the government changes and they say look we'll be able to extend long-term tradable lists title deeds in certain areas that on its own begins to make the environment much more interesting and it begins to make sense for some of the banks but i think collateral alone and the title is not really the major solution but infrastructure in general to make sure that those land parcels where people form they are closer to functioning um, infrastructure would increases the that- value of those land parcels. Those are some of the things that if you are sitting in a government side, you really have to be thinking about that. And the financiers, I think, they will begin to look into looking at the sector deploying capital in a different eye. Certainly, agility is going to be tested all round, right?
0: But if we start driving uh, this agenda with clear intent and for impact, what's the growth outlook you've pegged for the sector and on what kind of timeline?
1: When I look at culture today in South Africa. I look at it and I look at 2031. And I think if we are able to have a deal with financing and have really effective wide scale uh, blended finance, we improve the rural roads, not just the main roads and the transnet, but the rural roads that link farmers into small town. Those are improved. We address crime because there's a lot of stock theft as well as a harvest theft that we see out there in South Africa the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development deal with the regulatory things like registration of certain uh, chemicals and seeds. And after that, of course, then we release the land with the title deeds. I see the sector adding that 10 to 15 percent. Um, uh, in our gross value added around about 2030. And I see a vibrancy in the agro-processing space, that's the agribusinesses that are adding value into what we're doing in the sector. And all of that then generates those jobs that we need. Some off-farm, some will be on-farm. And I think that's where we begin to have the vibrancy in the rural economy and the rural towns in South Africa can come to life from the current state um, of depression that they are in today
0: because it's going to come hand in hand with an opening of the taps as far as uh, capital flow is concerned. Wandile, it's been a pleasure chatting to you today. Thanks so much for your time and for having joined us. For those of you watching, remember the series is free, it's shareable, it's open to everyone, so do keep the conversation going. Until next time, it's goodbye from me.